Do you ever feel like your partner just doesn't care about you or doesn't value you? Oh freaking hell guys, even worse, that your partner doesn't even see you. Well, in today's episode, I'm going to share with you how to know if he's actually serious about your relationship or if it's time to walk away. Welcome to Women of Impact. know Tom was someone you could spend the rest of your life with. All right, I really, really, really want to give you one thing and be like, and this is when, and now you can go off and everyone knows when it, like the signal or the flag is waved and now you're like, okay, this is the person for me. The sad truth is it takes time. It takes small little moments over periods of time. It's one little thing in the right direction. So let me give you an example. As I started to get close with him, I start to tell him certain secrets, right? Certain things that are very intimate to me, certain things that I don't necessarily share with other people. And then afterwards, you just see how they respond. In those moments, do they welcome you? In those moments, do they shut you down? In those moments, do they get fearful and freeze? How do they respond as you start to open up into that relationship? Then the next part is, Just assess over time. One moment shouldn't actually dictate how someone is. For instance, we all know if you don't eat, you get hangry. So let's say in one moment you say something and they bite your head off. You don't want to freaking dismiss them as that, oh my God, they're so dismissive of a partner and now I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with them. Right? You have to take each scenario for what it is and just assess little by little over time how they respond. So like one rule that I have with my husband is you never, ever weaponize my vulnerability, period. Which means if I show you my vulnerability, if I share with you my triggers, if I share with you the things I'm insecure about, in moments after that, maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a year down the line. But in those moments, let's say that we're butting heads or we're arguing, do they ever use your vulnerability against you? Do they use these moments to just shut you down? Now look, it goes vice versa. Do you, in those moments of anger, frustration, upset, heartbreak, throw something at them that they trusted you with? That's the question. In the moments where you can be quote unquote tested, how do you show up? That to me says who you are as a human, who you are as a person. Now look, we all have regrets. We all say things that maybe we wish we hadn't. But let me tell you, those are the moments where when it's easy for someone to use your vulnerability as a weapon, they've taken the easy road. So now what ends up happening is you're more reluctant to be sharing those things with them down the road. And then you wonder why on earth maybe you don't trust them fully. These are the little moments all along the way that you need to assess in your relationship. So when something happens to me, mark it down, whether it's mentally or actually physically mark it down. I had a therapist on my show and they said things for them coming threes. If someone disrespects you or crosses that line once, maybe it was an accident. If they do it again, maybe there was an accident. But the third time, the third time they've maybe used your vulnerability against you, maybe the third time they've tried to shut you down, maybe it's the third time they've shown disrespect. At that point, it definitely tells you what those flags are and whether or not you actually can trust them. And now the question is, do you want that type of person in your life? That's then the question. And that is only up to you. 
I can't decide that, no one else can decide that, but you can look and say, all right, they've shown me their true colors. It's the third time they have done this. Now, am I okay with this being the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? I don't always feel valued by my partner. What are the signs it's time to walk away from a relationship? All right, so here's the thing. What I want you to do right now is actually write down succinctly what it means for you to feel valued. Like, be very specific, because what I may value actually may be different from yours. And the reason why you need to write it down and then be specific is you then need to communicate it with them. So for instance, I come from a really, really freaking loud, boisterous Greek family. So if you talk to me and I'm in the middle of, let's say, listening to you and then someone says something over here, I may turn around and listen to them. And then all of a sudden, my dad may interrupt you and then now I'm listening to my dad. Now, if you're born in my loud freaking Greek family, it's just how we are. There's no malice to it at all. But now you take my American husband who day one comes in and meets my family. He was so horrified. He was like, I can't believe how disrespectful your family is. And I was like, what? Like my loving, adorable family. And he's like, but every time someone would ask me a question, I would go to answer them and they wouldn't even listen. He's like, oh, I'm in the middle of a conversation and someone just freaking interrupts you and they shut you down. Now to him, because of the value system he was brought up on, he perceived that as utterly disrespectful. But yeah, I grew up in that family. And so for me, it didn't even dawn on me. It was weird. It didn't even dawn on me that someone would perceive that as being disrespectful. So I'm going to go back to this question. You need to write down what makes you feel valued. Number one, be specific. So it can't be, I want to be valued. Um, so I want to be heard. Okay. Sentimentally, that sounds great, but what does that actually mean? It means that when I'm talking my opinion, please wait for me to finish. All right, now you've been specific. Now what you do is you take that very specific value that is important to you. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna approach this with grace with grace. So that means you're going to pull them aside and be like, I'm really loving this relationship or something very positive like that. And you'd be like, and there are a couple of things I actually think that we can work on. I want you to come to the table with some things that you'd like me to work on because I really think that this could be amazing. This relationship could be beautiful. So I'm going to come with a little things that I think maybe we can improve on together. And I'd love for you to do the same. All right. So now you've set them up for success to have a conversation where they're not feeling like you're just coming at them saying, hey, you don't, I don't feel valued, do this, right? That's very different than what I just uh, proposed. So set your partner up for success in what is about to happen. Be open to listening to them just like you want them to be open to listening to you. All right, now, the next key is to actually approach it assuming they don't mean it. Assuming they don't mean it. Because again, when you come at someone, especially if it's a partner, you're just telling them all the things they've done wrong. And let's face it, you want, hopefully you want nice things for your partner. So now you're just feeling the sting of the disappointment that you've actually, your actions have really disappointed your partner. Now you feel shitty about yourself. So instead of setting them up for that feeling, come in and say, all right, these are the things I'd be really excited about if we were able to adapt and change together. Maybe you come from a family or maybe your perspective is X, Y, and Z. But you know what? Like, I know that you're, let's say it's my husband. I know you come from a Greek family and I know that this is your way. And I actually, I love your family and I know that there's no malice to it. 
But actually, I'm just going to be honest with you. Where I come from, the fact that I get interrupted, it does come across disrespectful. I know you may not mean it. So I just want to articulate this to you so that in future, you're able to notice when this happens, that how that's going to have the knock-on effect to me. And look, I understand that it's not going to be perfect at first. And I know that maybe you're going to interrupt me at times that you don't realize. And that's okay. As long as it's okay that you give me the freedom to point out when you're doing it so that we can pivot. Is that all right? And now, you just wait to see their answer. How do they respond to all of that? You've stayed calm. You haven't blamed. You've communicated exactly what you're looking for. You're actually giving your perspective why it's meaningful to you. You've given them grace, not assuming that they mean bad things. And then comes the rest. How do they respond? How do they respond to the request? Do they try and shut you down? Or do, are they open to it? How do they then show up the next day or the day after that? Because here's the thing, they're never going to get it right perfectly, especially at first. So the very next time they may do it. And then what you do is you remind them, oh, I'm so sorry, but this is one of those moments. Remember how I said that I actually felt disrespected and valued? I know you probably may not have meant it, but this is actually one of those moments. And now again, you wait for them to see how they respond. Do they say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yes, you did tell me I totally messed up. You're right. Thank you for letting, thank you for helping me improve. Or do they go, come on, that was one time, really? That's someone who doesn't want to be bothered with your request. And now they're showing you the flags. They're showing you who they are. And this is the beauty of relationships. Just pay attention to the flags. Look and see who they are. And now it's up to you to decide if that's the sort of person you want in your life. But if you're able to do all this with your eyes wide open, then at least you can go in and make the decision. And you're not beating yourself up a year from now or two years from now going, I can't believe I don't feel valued. What on earth? Right? You've done the work. You've put in the time. You've put in the grace and giving them the chance to show up for you in the most beautiful, genuine way. And now you've left it to them to make up their minds on how they want to respond. And now the last piece is you get to decide whether that's someone you want to be in a relationship with. What are some qualities we should look for in a partner to have a healthy relationship? Oh, okay, the qualities are going to vary depending on the person. So for me, it may be, I really want somebody who, in fact, this is exactly it. My husband, I've told him, my love language is acts of service with him. So what does he do every single morning? He puts the kettle on for me. That's a quality in him that I really appreciate, that I've told him what my, my love language is and that he shows up and he does it. Now for me, that is boiling the kettle, but for you it may be different. So there are going to be smaller little nuances to that that only you can decide. But fear not, I'm here to tell you the big freaking key ones that I think are absolutely imperative to have in your relationship that I have with my husband that has allowed us to go from um, meeting and thinking we were going to have a summer fling to now about to celebrate our 20 year wedding anniversary. These are the things, trust, trust is to me the most imperative thing in a relationship. 
I'm not even going to say the person should be this, the person should be that, because we all change, we all grow. I told my husband I wanted four children when he first met me, and here I am, 20 years later, I don't have any children, and I am just as busy um, as an entrepreneur as he is. So my answer isn't going to be like the nuances of like, oh, they need to be this and they need to be that. That may evolve over time. But the foundation, the foundation of what a human is, the foundation of what I look for in my partner that I need in order to know that if we grow this way, we can still be successful together. If this happens, then we can still be successful together. It is fundamentally absolutely no way, like no matter how you want to shake it or bake it, trust to me is everything. Because let me take you through a few scenarios. The trust and sharing an intimate secret. We all know that, right? Yes, you want to trust that person. But something like, I got sick, guys. My health, I've been struggling for over six years. Now, that first year, I was in utter gut and health disarray. Utter gut and health disarray. And so I felt badly about myself. I wasn't a supportive wife. I definitely wasn't a sexual being. And in those moments, can I trust to be extremely vulnerable in front of my husband with the weaknesses of my health? Can I trust that he's going to be open and communicate with me about the fact of how he feels during that process? We had to talk about our intimacy, where we actually had to go over what was okay for me and how much pain um, I was in. And so is he somebody that I can trust with expressing my weaknesses with expressing the things that I'm so freaking vulnerable over and trusting that he's going to be open and honest in return. Because I'm going to be honest, the very big thing that I was worried about, and this is just a me thing, I was really worried about the intimacy part of it because my husband is a very sexual being. And so in those moments where I am really literally sick for a year, Do I trust that he's honest with me about his sex drive, about what he's satisfied in? I need to be able to have those conversations with him. And I need to trust that he's going to be honest with me. Do I also trust that in those moments, is he faithful? Of course, it's very important. Is he faithful? I refused to worry about whether he was going to be faithful or not. I was sick. All I just had about enough energy and enough time and focus to even just think about how on earth can I eat this food and sustain it in my stomach. That took so much time and energy that imagine during all of that, I had to worry about whether I could trust my husband to actually be faithful to me, right? There's one thing to say in sickness and in health. There's another whole other thing to actually see in action. And so, when I got sick, that was years into our relationship, guys. That was like eight, nine years in. And so, when I talk about trust, when I talk about this was a fundamental thing that I was looking for in him at the beginning, so that when things happen, when the shit hits the fan, maybe it's your health, maybe it's something bad goes on in your life, maybe it's someone passes away and you're crestfallen for months, maybe it's a career that you've built so long and it comes crashing and burning and you're so heartbroken. In all of these moments that are unexpected, can you actually turn to your partner and trust they're going to be there, have your back and weather the storm with you? So 
That to me is the biggest freaking key. And then how you trust them becomes a small stepping stone time and time again. You give them one little bit of information, you see if you trust them with it. You give them another little bit of information, a little vulnerability, you see if you trust them with it. It doesn't happen overnight. You're never going to know immediately. But you, over time, will start to either see one thing or another. You'll actually start to see that they prove they can be trusted or you start to see the flags. And when you see the flags, now it is up to you to decide whether that's the relationship you want or not. What advice would you give to a couple of 12 years who have found themselves still in love, but on very different life paths and interests, losing anything they had in common? When the relationship started, we both served each other's needs at that time, but our circumstances have changed and our needs have evolved differently too. Ooh, okay, thank you for the transparency in this question. And I actually think that there's such beauty in this. And this is why I think it's amazing that you guys are growing and changing. Like that's the same with me and my husband. I, he literally married a woman that said she wanted four children. Guys, I have zero children and a business. So the change, the growth can be beautiful. You can see someone like myself that was stuck for eight years not valuing life but then changing into the person you see today who now freaking loves her life. And so my partner, my husband, it was a difficult process for him to go through this change. But we both valued that in each other. Now, how on earth do you actually um, work on that change together? even if you're taking different paths. All right, this is the tricky thing, but it can be so beautiful. So what I want you guys to do is sit down and write down what are the things that are important to you right now. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that make your, make your heart sing? And now I want your partner to do the same because the goal right now is to orient over what makes you guys happy not what is different and where the conflict is, is what makes you guys happy. And now take one side of it and now actually play out that scenario. And I want your partner to be honest about how it affects them. It's going to be tricky, but let me give you a real world example. I realized that I no longer wanted to be a stay at home wife. I was cooking for my husband. I was cleaning for him. He had the dream come true at home. He would go to work. He would literally walk in the door. Dinner was on the table. He would go to bed. He'd wake up the next day. The clothes were by his bed. He would leave for work. I would give him lunch. That was the life I had. Then I realized I hated it. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easier 
easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about, that maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. I'm not saying I disliked it, guys. I'm saying I actually hated it. Now, how on earth do I communicate that with my husband? Because the truth was, I still freaking love him. I still adore him. He's still my best friend. But this, my act that I was doing, not only did I not want to do it anymore, but that would actually have an immediate impact on his day-to-day life. So I had to respect it. So what we did is we sat down and I expressed to him, number one, the first thing you do is express how much the person means to you. So I went in and I said, baby, I love you more than life itself. Actually more than life itself. So I need you to know that right now, whatever I'm about to say has no reflection of how I feel about you. I love you, baby. Okay, great. Now, number one, he knows how I feel about him. And now I'm going to bring up the thing that makes me unhappy. And so I said, baby, putting clothes out for you and cleaning for you, while I'm sure you love it, no longer fills my heart. I've been silent, I haven't told you this, for eight years. And I've gotten to the point now, it doesn't make me happy. Now remember, it has no reflection of how I feel about you. But it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't fill me up. But you know what does fill me up? And then you go into what does. And then you express why it fills you up. And I literally said, babe, you have no idea. Since we started Quest and I started helping you, I've never felt so alive. So what you've done is you told them how you feel about them. You've then brought up this thing that is a problem in your marriage or in your relationship. You've then said an alternative and why it makes you feel happy. And now the last piece is to say, and so while I know this is gonna be difficult for you through this transition, I would love your support in this new venture and path I'm going on. Now, what does that actually look like? Be specific. So what I said to my husband was, so baby, 
It's going to be a little uncomfortable right now as we transition. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the grace to actually tell me how you feel right now openly. So what he said was like, look, I, I would lie if I'd said, you know, I didn't love that you took care of my clothes and that you took care of my food. He's like, of course I do. So I need you to give me space to actually just vocalize that. And now what we need to do is grieve the wife I was and embrace the woman I am becoming. But give them the space to do that. So what I said to my husband was, all right, babe, this is what I'm going to do. I cook for you, I clean for you six, seven, uh, seven days a week. So what I'm going to do is showing you respect so that we can go through this transition together because it may be difficult and you may feel some, you know, some friction. So what I'm going to do is next week, I'm only going to do it for six days. And then the week after that, I'm just going to do it for five days. And then the week after that, I'm going to do it for four. And what I'm going to do is slowly help you and me adapt into this new path and this new person that I am evolving into. And so because I did that, my husband literally, he just looked at me and he was like, well, babe, what kind of husband would I be if I cared about my laundry over your happiness? And so what ended up happening was cut to like three months later or something. I do the laundry like once a month, if that. And literally one day he goes and he opens up his drawer and he's like, there's no clean underwear. And he turns to me and he's like, so babe, I guess I'm going to work commando. And literally he goes to work commando without underwear because, and he was so freaking proud of it. That was actually the cherry on top. He was so proud because to him, he was helping make his wife happy by not giving me grief about the laundry because he heard how much that negatively impacted me and my mindset and my life. And so when he went to work, commander, you better believe, I gave him the biggest round of applause. And I thanked him for being the husband who stays true to his word, which means that he's coming along the journey with me, even though it's difficult, even though it's not the path he's currently walking. We did it together. And so going back to this question, you guys both need to do that in isolation. You need to sit there and assess what are the things that aren't filling you up in your life? What are the adjustments you want to change? And then how do you help your partner adapt to the way that you are changing? And maybe that means they have to grieve the person you were. But if you do it together, then let me tell you, whatever path you guys take, whether it's a path together or whether it's you guys going over here because maybe you want to do this and maybe he wants to do that, you're still supporting each other and you're still there for each other. That's the moment. These are the things that allow you to keep adjusting, to keep maneuvering, to keep growing as individuals and yet still maintain a long, loving, happy relationship. How long were you in a relationship before you got married? When did you realize you were both ready for marriage? And do you think it's wise to jump into marriage at a young age? All right, here you go, guys. I was 21 when I met my husband. It was going to be a summer fling. We dated for about nine months. This is before social media and before texting. So I would email him in England. He would wake up the next day, he would then get the email, he would then respond, but because of the time difference, I got it the next day. So there was over a 24-hour period from the time I emailed him to him emailing me back. There was no FaceTime, so it was all phone calls, it was minutes, it was like, oh my God, I can't afford anything. It was those times, so I just want to orient. 
The reason why I want to orient that is because now when I say the next thing, you'll be like, oh my God. And yet, with half of that time, after nine months of meeting him, half of that time we were apart, half of that time, then in that half, we were sending emails every other day. And after nine months, he proposed. I was 22 years old when he proposed. We'd been dating for nine months and half of it was in different countries. So, now that I look back, you, everyone might go, oh, well, but it worked. It worked, so it doesn't matter. Looking back now, I knew nothing. Looking back now, I absolutely had this remarkable chemistry with him. I'd never felt like that ever with anyone before. But I didn't know that it would work. I didn't know that I would be where I am today with him. I didn't know that. And so I think we very much focus on how long should we be together for? What's the right time? If I could go back and redo it, 100% I would have lived with him first. 100% I would have lived with him first, but not live with him at my mum's house, which is exactly what I did. So we got engaged and then we lived with my mum. And so my mum was doing all the cleaning, the cooking, she was washing our clothes. And so it wasn't an accurate reflection of actually, would we get along? So what I would advise now is very different to what I did. But again, 20 years ago was a very different world as well. At the age of 21, 22, it wasn't weird for a Greek girl to get married at that young age. So it is different times. But now, going back to your point, because I really want to make sure that I actually answer it. What does it actually matter on time and age and young and blah, blah, blah? I think we focus on the wrong things. I think we need to focus on, do I trust them? Do I align well with them? Do they accept me? Are we growing together? Are they open to change? Are they open to adaptability? Can I, um, I don't know if I already said trust, but can I trust them? All these things are imperative before you go into a marriage. And in fact, I just interviewed fairly recently Faith Jenkins, she's a divorce attorney. And she spent so long as a single woman that she did so much research and studying that when she started dating a guy, and they started to get serious. They actually went to therapy before he proposed. And I thought it was genius, genius. Because I was like, oh, I've never heard of that before. She goes, yeah, you know why we did it? I was like, go on. And she's like, because so many people announce their engagement, especially if you've been single for so long. So they announced their engagement and now you've already invited the pressure. I don't know about you guys, but especially in the Greek community, if you already, if you announce you're engaged, Literally, they've got their calendar and they're like, okay, so what day are you getting married on? And then what day are you going to be conceiving your child? And then what day are you giving birth to your child? And hey, when are you having your third child? Those are the Greeks. So even just saying that you're going to get engaged is a lot of pressure. And so I love that she said she started seeking therapy with her partner before she even got engaged. So this is what I actually urge everyone to focus on. Focus on the quality of your relationship. Focus on whether you can trust them. Focus on whether they are there for you, for you when you need them. Focus on the fact, are they willing to go to therapy before you even get engaged? Because you wanna make sure that your guys' end goal is aligned. And so if the end goal is, which it is for me, to be happily married for the rest of my life, and I said to my husband, or obviously my boyfriend, 
hey, if we really want to be together, this is something that is important that can actually help us be together happily for the rest of our lives. Now, if they push back, why are they pushing back? What is that sore spot? That actually is a great indicator into how the rest of your life is going to be. So what I would do, let me just condense all of that. I would make sure I lived with them first, 100%. I would make sure that I went to therapy with them before we got engaged, 1,000%. And then actually, I would stop looking at other people and how long they've been together and really just go inwards. Because I think for so many of us, we look outside and we want the answers. I'm begging you, I'm begging and pleading with you, I'm telling you, if you just pause for a second and look inwards and say, okay, does this feel right? Is this somebody, in fact, this is another question, I'm just going to throw this one out. I actually ask myself, when I'm on my deathbed, like not like hyperbole, like actually on my deathbed, and I've even visualised that I can see myself lying there on my deathbed with a, with a weak voice in my, in, at 110, 110, and I turn to my husband, do I want that to be Tom? The second I said yes, I allowed my heart to sing. So it's the trust part because you don't just want to follow your heart. You have to, like, to me, take all these other elements that make up a great relationship. But then on your deathbed, do you want them holding your hand? And then hopefully you have your answer. I'm having fun dating a new guy right now, but it still feels casual. How will I know he's ready to take it to the next step? All right, amazing. Have you actually identified what the next step means to you? Because well, the next step, it may be different to me. Like, I don't even know if you're talking sexually. I know Americans do like bases, like, oh, well, I'm on base one and I want to go to second base. I don't know. But like, what does actually that step look like to you? Does that mean now you open yourself up to some vulnerability? Does that mean now that you do actually take it and make it sexual? I don't know if you are already or not, but like really actually identify what does that next step look like to you? You have to define it to then be able to either communicate with them or assess whether, whether they are ready. So that is number one. Assess what that next step looks like to you and are you ready to take it? Okay, if you're ready to take that next step, now it becomes what I would do is I would test the waters a little. Like I'm not a like, oh, there's water, let me go bomb into it and then see if it's cold or not. I just dip your toe in, see if it's a little cool. Like literally do that. So if the next step, let's say, is, um, let's say it's trust. And let's say you want to share something with them. Don't go all the way to like your biggest freaking secret on the planet. Give them one little thing and see how they react. Do they get scared? Do they welcome the intimacy? Do they push back? Do they pretend you didn't say it? All of these things will help indicate whether they are too. Now look, I'm definitely the sort of person, I ain't got time for games. Like, life's too short as it is. So what I would do is I'd actually be, um, I'd be graceful, but be honest. And I would even put it, like I would be like hearted, I would maybe do it on a dinner day, I would maybe do it if we're maybe have a drink, you know, like so it's like the right vibe. Like this is what I would do. You have to assess whether it's right for you. But I need to know that the environment isn't intense. 
So now that I've realized the environment isn't intense, I will say a little something. Like, you know, oh, do you want to leave your, your toothbrush over tonight? Right? What are you actually saying? You're basically saying you want to leave something at my place. Right? And so let's say that's the next step you want to take. Where you're like, I actually want to see if I can, you know, cohabit with this person. Okay? Well, just offering to leave their toothbrush at your place is a nice little tester to see how they respond. Don't go straight into, here's a key and here's a wardrobe, right? It's a nice little next step. And then one other thing I'm going to add to this is then come back to how your instincts were when they responded. Because you may, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm, I'm so guilty of this, sometimes I hear what I wanna hear, right? I'm sure you probably do too. And when it comes to relationships, you don't necessarily want to mistake a, um, a signal or a message. And so what I would do is just take note of how you felt when they said it. So what was that little gut instinct? Were you like, oh, I kind of felt like they rejected me, but they didn't say the words. Now with no judgment, just write it down. When I mentioned this, I got a little feeling in their tone. Because I'm not saying... We should all trust our gut always. No, I'm saying you're going to assess how your gut responded to it. So then the next time you're in the, the situation where maybe you're like, oh, you want to leave your underwear or whatever it is, you assess whether that micro expression in them or that emotion in you was triggered again. So the point is, is that then you can take, um, you can take account of that little gut feeling and go, huh, this is interesting. I actually had two moments when I started to see if I could take it to the next step where they weren't actually delivering on how I thought they were going to. And then I said earlier, do it in threes. If you do another one, little test of the water, and they give you that third thing with the same emotion, with that same little gut feeling, then I would say, trust it. But now you know that you've done the work, you're not putting yourself out there and being so vulnerable that you can get crestfallen. You're not holding back and testing them and waiting for them to see if they can, they're gonna take it the next step first. Don't play games. You're just doing incremental little things to start assessing how they feel. And then the hope is eventually, guys, you are comfortable with them enough to actually be able to have the honest question and say, hey, look, I'm really into you. I think you're fantastic. I would love to see where this goes. And so right now, I'm actually not interested in dating anyone else. How do you feel about that? And see how they respond. I get it. Putting yourself out there can be difficult. But I'm telling you, that's how you're going to know. That's how you're not going to spend the next five freaking 10 years in your own head saying, do they like me? Do they not like me? Should I take it to the next step? Or what if I get rejected? That's the worst feeling. You, I'm sure, freaking amazing human, each and every one of us. And so don't freaking dismiss the value you bring to the table. And so now at least you have the honest answer of whether they are ready to take it to the next step or not. And now, as always, my answer will end in, and now it's up to you. How do you keep the fire burning in your relationship? All right, I love this question so much. I've been with my partner, my husband. We're about to celebrate our 20 year wedding anniversary. And here are the keys to keeping the fire burning. 
Sometimes you're like Sarah Bullock and Betty White dancing around that fire was like and singing sweat drip down my balls and it's a roaring bonfire. And other times you're like freaking Tom Hanks in Castaway where you're desperately trying to make the spark happen. That's a relationship. So what I do is I actually don't judge. I just know as long as we're always trying and sometimes it's going to be a roaring bonfire and other times you're going to be blowing these little flames in order to try and make it fire more. So I've just accepted that is what relationships are like. Because here's the thing, you take a person's brain who has gone on a first date and you scan it. Then you take someone who's just done cocaine and you scan it. The brain looks the same, people. The brain looks the same. Take that in for a second. Cocaine and going on a hot, exciting first date does the same thing to your brain. So now, what happens is, a month down the line, two months down the line, it's no longer that intoxicating feeling. And so what happens is people are desperately trying to get back to it. And then what happens is after like a year, your brain doesn't necessarily look like that anymore. And now you wonder what is wrong with your relationship. So now what happens is when you don't have the brain that looks like you've just taken a hit of cocaine, we all worry that there's something wrong with our relationship. And what we do is we desperately try to get back to it, which is why so many people actually end up having these cycles of relationships where they think they're madly in love. You're like, this is the one. And after a year, you're like, I can't recapture how I felt. So number one is just understanding and acknowledging that there are going to be phases in your relationship. Okay, now that you've done that, now it's how do you identify when you're Tom Hanks desperately trying to get the fire working because you cannot let it blow out. You cannot let that spark disappear. So what I do, me and my husband, is we say, who is the responsible party in our relationship to keep this fire burning? And bear with me, bear with me before you like literally turn this off because I know you'll be like, isn't it both of your responsibility? Bear with me. You need one person that maybe is the person that waves the flag. There's like, hey, our fire is burning out. Because here's the thing, you guys may have different thresholds. Me and my husband have different thresholds. I need his attention and to be with him way more than he does with me. I don't take that personally. I know how much my husband loves me. We just have different thresholds. Just like maybe you've got different thresholds of how much you sleep. Maybe your partner sleeps six hours and you need nine. So I don't judge myself. I just go, this is fact. So now, with me and my husband, we've actually identified that I'm the person who is a designated flag waver. Because I'm better at it, I notice it sooner than he does. He notices it maybe a month too late. And then he's like, oh shit, we're not connecting anymore, babe. We need to do something about it. So we've both agreed, I'm the designated person. Great. Now we've made a pinky swear that if I'm the designated person and I wave that flag, he must absolutely respond to it. Because there would be nothing worse, guys, than us having this talk, me saying, okay, I'm the one that is a designated flag waver of making sure that our relationship is always on fire. He's like, beautiful fire. And then he's just like, what are you talking about? You're being paranoid. Oh, that would suck. And now that wouldn't actually make for a great relationship. 
So beforehand, we actually have these agreements. We've pinky swore that I'm the person that waves the flag. We've also pinky swore that he has to respond in kind when I wave the flag. So what we do is I very much know, literally, in fact, in real time, you're catching me in real time, people. Yesterday, I just realized, oh my God, my sister's been here for two weeks. He's now traveling, my husband's now traveling. The day he gets back, I actually leave. Then when I get back, his mum actually arrives. So yesterday, I just looked at our calendar and I know they're not spending a month together, like actually like really together. Ah, these are the flags, these are the warning signs. So what I did before I waited for the, the burning fire to dissipate or be smothered, I know thyself. And I was like, oh crap, it's gonna be a month before I actually have date night with my husband. Let me make sure I keep the fire burning now so that I don't have double the work to fan later. So what I did immediately, yesterday in fact, I hit him up and I said, babe, do you have an hour for us just to hang out? And of course he was like, why, I'm busy. And I said to him, because we're not gonna be able to spend time together over this next three, four weeks. And he was like, oh crap, is that true? I was like, yes, it's true. He's like, absolutely. So immediately he turned to the team, he had meetings, and he's like, I'm going for an hour, I'll be back. And then we literally just hung out. Guys, that is how you keep the fire burning. I could go into a million different things, like surprise them with sexy lingerie, do their favorite dish, like food dish or whatever, when they get home after they've had a terrible evening or a terrible day. Little things like that definitely help your connection. But all of that, all of that can be done and you know, day in, day out. But how do you make sure you don't get to that point where there's no return? That's the point. How do you make sure you don't get to the point of no return? It is assessing on the freaking daily. It is allocating someone who is that fan blower or whatever you wanna call them. It is then the agreement that the person will reciprocate. And then it is actually then making sure that together you come and then you actively keep fanning that flame together.